The Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to the very first 2016 episode of Acts of the Blood God. We're back, everybody. I'm your host, Cap Bailey, and we are going to be exploring all of the new RPGs of the year. Joining me today, we got two people on this pod, both from US Gamer. We have our associate editor and newsy and such, Mike Williams. Welcome back. Hello, hello, folks. Glad to be back. Glad that you get to hear my beautiful voice once again. And, of course, senior writer Bob Mackey. Hi, uh, my name is Bob Mackey, and I like RPGs. Indeed, we all like RPGs. That's why we are doing this show. That's why we're kicking off the year in style. We're going to be talking about all of the RPGs that we are most excited about in the new year. Hope you all had a relaxing holiday playing RPGs. I know that I was playing Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel, which I wrote about yesterday in our mini review i'm sorry to say that it has yet to get its hooks into me but i'm doing my best i'm kind of plowing through it hoping that it gets a lot better at least in terms of the story and that's something that i kind of want to revisit in a future episode is just kind of talk about the importance of story but do either of you have any plans to play trails of cold steel at any point uh, I really need to play Trails in the Sky first. I need to finish the first game uh, before I do any other Trails. I don't know. I think Trails of Cold Steel is the kind of game that you can just kind of get into. Yeah, I realize it's a little different, but I, I would feel bad abandoning uh, a game I really like that I still need to finish. But uh, it looks cool. I like. I like. It's like a more modernized version of uh, that kind of RPG, which I like. It's very Persona. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So, so Cold Steel takes place in the same world as in the sky but on another continent yeah that's my understanding is that it takes place in the same world but maybe further down the line from trails in the sky with a oh, different so, cast so it's even different time period are we talking like like a decade Not- or like i couldn't tell you how much further down the line it is but i think a lot of the a lot of the setting of Trails of Cold Steel is established in Trails in the Sky. And if you are a Trails aficionado, um, please feel free to correct me in an angry tweet. I won't take offense. But it, it, it it's a very... It's a game that's set in like an empire, an imperial setting, and it has very uh, populist overtones. You have characters who are commoners, and you have characters who are nobles. And they're thrown together in class seven in a military academy and have to learn to work together and fight together and love together. So it's it's a little heavy handed so far and none of the characters have especially grabbed me, but it has a pretty it has a decent setting. Um uh it's made by Nihon Falcom and it um Nihon Falcom has a reputation for putting together really good and complex and multi-layered settings. Um, it just, these games are really slow burns and take a long time to really get going. So I'm, I'm doing my best to give it as much patience as I can, but I'm at like the 10 hour mark and it's still kind of spinning its wheels. So I'm kind of waiting. Bob, did you play any RPGs over the holiday? 
Not not too many, actually. Uh, if I could continue angering people even more, I did play uh, more Yakuza 5, which is a fun little RPG-ish game, but uh, I've, I I kind of didn't play a whole lot of games uh, this, this vacation. I, I let everyone down. I'm sorry. Who is this mysterious... Who are these mysterious people who are upset about you playing Yakuza 5 and calling I don't know. I, I feel like some people might be mad if I call Yakuza an RPG, so uh, I'm, I'm just uh, putting that out there. Okay, hypothetical people who are mad about Yakuza 5. Calm down. It's okay. Yes. It's an RPG. <laughs> and you did another run through Dark Souls as well. That's right. Yeah, I just was... Uh, God, I was just over, overwhelmed by choice because I have like 19 open world games I'm in the middle of. So I was like, oh, I'll just play Dark Souls. So I just had a fun like run through of that again in like, I don't know, a day. So that is my comfort RPG, I think, is Dark Souls for sure. Just I, mm-hmm. I know it inside it out and it's still fun to just like trounce everything coming into it with all the knowledge I have from playing it. I don't know, like seven or eight times now. Yeah, it's wonderful to get to a point in a game where it's like, you know it's so well inside and out that you can just run through it. Yeah, and I was still I was still summoning people. People are still playing Dark Souls. I'm I'm really are. surprised. Yeah, I, it really needs a uh, of all the games that have have received these like HD makeovers or whatever. I really think we need a current gen Dark Souls one. Um, I, I've said it before, but man, that game needs to be uh, more widely available on consoles. I completely agree. Um, the PS3 and Xbox 360 versions are obviously a bit outdated. Um, it's really good on PC, but not everybody has a gaming PC. So I would love to see it on the PlayStation 4. Mike, what have you been playing? I've been playing The Old Republic, Ooh. which is uh, the the wonderful little MMO that Bioware put together that everyone played for like two months and they never came back (laughs) well they played through the story and they discovered there's no end game content and they were like well that was fun and quit (laughs) yeah there's also that that point that the people that uh i I guess bioware never really thought about the fact that the people that are going to play to end game for the story are probably not going to be the same people who want to raid over and over again so, I I think they they were kind of lost as to who their audience really was, and um, I personally think that the new expansion has sort of crystallized that idea that it is a single player game with MMO hooks around it. So uh, they're pretty much dropping into the same uh, content release schedule that Guild Wars or uh, FF14 is running into where they just drop single player content on a regular basis story based content and if you want to do like the extra raids and stuff around that that's fine but at this point all you need to do in the game is play the story good story? it's a good story it's enjoyable nice Uh, yeah I installed I installed the Old Republic on my computer when the new expansion came out, and then I immediately uninstalled it because it was taking up a huge amount of space on my hard drive. So, oh yeah, that... Kat, I thought of one other a real RPG I played over break. Oh man, a lot of this will make me sound like the most relevant person ever. I was playing Lightning Returns for the PC, which just recently came out. Oh man, and um, I played a whole lot of it for the PS3. 
and I don't want to be like one of those PC supremacy people, but it's pretty amazing how much a game can be so much more enjoyable once you eliminate a few problems like loading times and frame rates. Like that game runs so great on PC, and I kind of put it away on PS3 just because those loading times, which are, there are a lot of them, mm. uh, just kind of got in the way of the fun. But I just immediately blazed to the point I left off in the PS3 version and kept playing it. I, I really like that game. It's a lot of fun. Maybe the most underrated game of the last generation. They they finally made a good Final Fantasy thirteen. It took three tries, but God bless them, they finally did it. And nobody cared. Yeah, nobody cared. But uh, you and Jeremy have both written a lot on the site. I recommend people go out and read those articles because uh, you you guys did a great job of saying, like, this game is getting overlooked. Here's why you should care. And uh, it's not, not all Final Fantasy thirteens are bad, just two of them. Mm. Yeah, the... The the main knock against Lightning Returns was that it had a bad story, and yet somehow, for whatever reason, I just didn't care. No, like I, I, was... I just, I don't know what's happening, so I skip every cutscene and, and dress yeah. up and have fun. I don't really care. Yeah, at, at this point, like, Lightning is basically the, the player stand-in, right? Like, she's not really a character anymore. So you just kind of roll with it from that perspective, and you don't worry about anything that's going on in the story. You just have fun exploring the world which is like really weird and interesting and you got a lot of freedom and the battle system's a lot of fun. And it's actually a pretty attractive game. But yeah, as Bob said, I've played a ridiculous amount of Lightning Returns. So you should definitely check it out. Yeah, check it out on the PC if you can. I've got a really ancient PC and it works fine and it looks and plays and feels so much better just with all those little console problems erased. It's, it's great. But moving on to the new year in RPGs. New new games. We've all been playing older <laughs> games. We're now looking ahead I'm to still the in new 2014. Games. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, I'm still in 1997 for yeah. heaven's sake. Yeah, that's where my mind is. We'll never catch up. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to count down the five RPGs that I am most intrigued to play and we can talk a bit about them. These are my RPGs, like Bob and Mike didn't have a hand in choosing lists, but we are going to also find out which RPGs you are most intrigued to be playing in the coming year. I think we all kind of know which one is the most intriguing, and we're also going to hear from the fans. I pinged them on Twitter, and they all had opinions as well. I would just like to emphasize again that this list is in order of cat preferences, Yep. <laughs> Number three probably wouldn't have, have gone as high on my personal list, but hmm. that's all. I just want you to know it's not my fault. <laughs> it's my fault. Flame cat. cat. This is all me. All right. Number five in our RPGs of 2016 countdown is one that Mike uh, nominated for our 2016 in preview post, which you should go check it out on US Gamer, our 16 most anticipated games of 2016. Torment Ties of Numenara and Mike take it away what what makes you so excited about this RPG well back in the day back in the day these, these these beautiful people created a game called Planescape Torment which uh at the time and probably since is still one of the better uh CRPGs uh of all time it's just uh, you play a character named uh, the nameless one because he doesn't remember who he is and uh, you're wandering trying to find out your past uh, as so many protagonists do but the what set Planescape Torment up was that the writing and the number of choices that you had available to you 
were just so far beyond what was available in most other games at that time and and has been since mostly because uh production means that uh fully detailed world and voiced actors means you can't write as many lines of dialogue or or anything like that so uh torment tides of numenera is intended as a spiritual sequel to planescape torment which was a done in one game um so the idea is uh some of the folks behind the original game have come back uh, with uh, understanding of where that game basically went right. It's essentially like what uh, Pillars of Eternity did for Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, Planescape Torment is consistently lauded for having one of the best RPG stories um, to date uh, for the reasons that you were just listing off, Mike. But it's... I, I wouldn't say that it's had a troubled development history, but when it was originally kickstarted, Torment was originally... Play, pegged for a December 2014 release date, um, and then it got pushed back into 2015, and now it's been pushed all the way back into 2016, which just goes to show that, yes, <laughs> making an RPG is very hard. Yeah, I, I think I kick-started uh, Barkley Shut Up and Jam 2 maybe four years ago. Oh, right. Didn't they launch that Kickstarter right after the original Double Fine Adventure Kickstarter? I, I believe it was 2012. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't have it in front of me, but it, it I think it has been three or four years, at least three. Yeah. I'm uh, still waiting. I'm not angry. I, I, I'll take as long as you want, guys. Yeah, I think uh, I want to say Torment launched somewhat right after Pillars of Eternity's Kickstarter did. Uh, yeah, I think so. It was right around the same time, and Pillars of Eternity was one of the earliest... Uh, Kickstarters, it came out in 2012, so it's been around for a while now. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I believe uh, in the, the developers behind this are in Exile Entertainment, uh, who previously kickstarted and launched Wasteland 2, which did exactly what they set out to do. Wasteland 2 was intended to be uh, like the original Wasteland and the first two Fallout games but with modern graphics and and all of that jazz. And Wasteland 2 really did deliver on that. So uh, it has been a while wait, in fact, to the point that uh, I actually don't really sign into Kickstarter all that much, so I've forgotten most of the things I've backed, but apparently I backed Torment at some point because <laughs> they mm. sent me an email being like, hey, you have to like sign into this website or you won't get your game, and and it's coming on early access. I, I believe the seventeenth of January. So they're mm. like, yeah, you need to to sign in so we can actually like give you the code for the game. I was like, oh wow, uh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you why I'm excited for Torment Tides of Numenera. Um, I have not spent as much time with Planescape Torment as I should have because it came out in a period when I wasn't really playing uh, CRPGs, but its reputation certainly precedes it. And if it's anything like Pillars of Eternity, which I think is one of 2015's most underrated RPGs, I think it's going to be really good. And I really enjoy that isometric style. Um, and I... I, I Like, I have a hard time believing that it's going to be a disappointment, so... I definitely put it on my list of 
top five most intriguing RPGs. Bob, are you going to check out Torment? Oh dear God, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in it, but I, I like I don't know where to start with all the RPGs I still need to play. And this might be closer to the bottom of my list, just because um, I feel like I need to play uh, Planescape. I played it for a few hours to do a Retronauts episode, but I feel like I, I, that game deserves a chance first before I go to the spiritual successor. So um, one one day will be is that that's my answer. One day I will play this game. Number four on my list of the five most intriguing RPGs of 2016. It's coming out in February for the Nintendo 3DS, Fire Emblem Fates. Yes. Which... I, I still don't understand how how this game is uh, how this game works. How like okay, let me. I, I feel like I've explained this on the podcast <laughs> before, but I feel essentially... like Nintendo could have done a better uh, job of the messaging because I'm oh, like, yeah. okay, now what? Yeah, please. It's please really go. confusing. But basically, it's two different games. Like, it's two totally different games. Um, but the way it works is you play... They they start out in the same story, like, initially. Like, you play the same five initial missions. But there comes a point where there's a route split. And you can decide which side you want to go to. You can either go to your your adopted family or your birth family. If you go to your adopted family, you're like the evil European kind of conquerors and you're, you proceed through that entire story in an entirely different game. And if you go with your birth family, that's again, another entirely different game. And the way that they've kind of set it up is conquest is kind of meant to be the old school fire emblem for the fans who found awakening to be way too easy and they weren't really into it. So that's their game. Hmm. And Birthright is meant to be more like Awakening. It's meant to be easier. You can grind in it. And it's generally more forgiving. So, And then, of course, you can buy both of them together on the 3DS eShop. And you can just, you know, you can choose which route you want to go down. And you can play either of them as if they are one game. And if you're playing, say, if you say buy Conquest and you start playing it and you pick the Birthright route, it'll just take you immediately to the 3DS eShop and be like, buy Birthright. Here you go. I see. Okay. I guess unless it's not too were, uh, complicated. Unless you were <laughs> smart like me and pre-ordered the limited edition ah, that comes yes. with all three paths on a single cartridge. Mike and I are planning on reviewing this game together. Um He's going to be probably taking Birthright. I'll probably be taking Conquest. We'll see. Uh, Mike, did you ever play uh, fi- another Fire Emblem before this? No, Awakening was my my first. I'm I'm going to be one hundred percent honest. Um, uh, I sort of went into it uh, partially because I, I enjoyed tactics games, but uh, partially because I also enjoyed dating sim games. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what Fire Emblem basically is. So, um, but uh, usually when I played tactics games, I, I ignored uh, the GBA and the DS. So uh, I was a, a PlayStation portable kind of guy. So I just never got around to playing any of the original Fire Emblems. Oh, that's too bad because Fire Emblem, the first one to come out on the GBA is... It's a lot of fun. It's a really good, uh, it's a really good version of Fire Emblem. Like 
the old old school fans of it will complain about certain aspects but as an entry to the series it it's really second to none did it ever come out on the wii u eShop? because man i really wish it would if it hasn't i think the first uh game boy advanced fire emblem came out as part of that uh gba ambassador program for the 3ds mm, okay which and then we never saw any other gba games on the 3ds after that <laughs> More pity, too, because... But the funny thing about that game was that it was actually a prequel to a game that was only released in Japan that was also for the GBA. And that was the one with Roy from Smash Brothers Melee. So there's... It it kind of assumes that you've played the previous one and that you're going to recognize certain characters, but you kind of go, I I don't know, I'm just kind of rolling through it, but... Fire Emblem, traditionally, if you're not familiar with it, it is a tactics RPG, as Mike was saying. Um, it Somebody called it Rock, Paper, Scissors, the tactics game, which it kind of is. It's based around uh, a Rock, Paper, Scissors style uh, weapons wheel where, you know, lance beats sword, axe beats lance, sword beats axe, um, so that kind of thing. And then they have another one for magic. And basically, as you go through, you are playing as a hero. You build up a really big party, a la Suikoden. As the game goes on, you have to meet certain requirements to recruit them. In many of the Fire Emblems, you can decide whether a couple of characters end up getting together and having a relationship. Sometimes they can even have kids, and the kids will come and join your party at a later date. And um, so it... And and its most, uh, I would suppose, infamous feature has long been permadeath. In previous Fire Emblems, um, particularly the original GBA ones, they if a character died, that was it. The game would autosave, and you would have to restart the mission entirely to be able to have them back. There was no real saves coming or anything, and that could be really frustrating and it turned a lot of people off. But... Yeah, that's why I stopped playing them because uh, I used to be more of a, of a perfectionist. I think I'd be okay mm. with the series now, but it really rubbed me the wrong way in the early aughts. The the funny thing about the original games was that it was frustrating in the early going, but there was a point in the game where you would become so strong that most of the time you, your characters could solo a huge line of enemies and you wouldn't have to worry particularly about them dying, which you could argue makes the game a little bit too easy, but I personally found it immensely rewarding to find my to watch my guys grow to the point where they could just stand and take on literally a line of enemies coming at them mm-hmm. and watching them just freaking wreck them. It was great. So, But Fire Emblem Awake... Uh, it, it came out in the U.S. in like 2004, I believe, finally, because of Smash Brothers. And it had a nice little run through the GBA and onto the GameCube and then the Wii. And then it kind of died. Um, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon did not do very well. It was not received very well. It was a reboot of the original game. It was missing the relationship aspects, which really rubbed people the wrong way. It had ugly graphics. Um, the... The remake of Fire Emblem Gaiden never made it out here, and it kind of looked like Fire Emblem might be dead in the U.S., but Fire Emblem Awakening came around. And it brought with it anime faces and relationships and tactics. 
Well, I mean, it went back to being more anime, I guess you could say. And that was their kitchen sink game. That was Intelligent Systems, who were the designers of Fire Emblem and also Advanced Wars, which, God, I miss Advanced Wars. Uh, that was Intelligent Systems saying, well, this might be the last Fire Emblem we ever make, so we might as well throw in everything that has ever been in the series, including the ability to have kids and that kind of thing. And the result was a game that was incredibly well-received on both sides of the ocean, not maybe not by traditionalists, but certainly by people, by more mainstream RPG fans. I certainly really enjoyed it. I had a great time playing that game. And because it was so well-received, well, Fire Emblem Fates is now a thing, and it stakes a claim to being the most ambitious and exciting Fire Emblem ever made, and I really cannot wait to play it. And it sounds like I, you guys are pretty excited, too. Um, Bob, are you going to be playing Fire Emblem Fates? I want to. I mean, this this is like the year of too many RPGs for the 3DS, so I have to be very uh, selective. Uh, do we have a release date for that yet? Do we have a release date for that February. yet? Yeah, it's coming out in okay. February. It's very likely I will play it because uh, I know summer come summertime, it's going to be Dragon Quest Seven and Eight for me. I'm going to play through both of those, but... Uh, yeah, that should that should be doable for me. I haven't played Awakening. Like I said, I put the series away when it frustrated me too much. But uh, I feel like this is a good chance for me to jump in and play and have fun and be relevant. Wait, it's Awakening. For... Couldn't you turn off uh, Permadeath? You could. Yeah. yeah, I mean that wasn't why it turned me away. Just at the same time, uh, Etrian Odyssey Four came out, and I believe um, mm. Shin Megami Shin Megami Tensei Four also came out. So there was just like. Four big meaty RPGs, and I, and I had to select the ones to play. So, Makes Fire Emblem was not one of those. Yeah, for all of its kind of reputate for its fearsome reputation, I guess you could say Fire Emblem, as tactics game goes, I've always found to be surprisingly more accessible than, say, the Final Fantasy tactics of the world, which are way more demanding on the customization side. Um, Fire Emblem has always demanded more of a it asks you to be smarter about the way that you control your troops on the actual maps. Like the maps, the maps are almost like dungeons, which I've always found kind of cool. Like you're walking through, you're walking through a castles. There are like treasure chests that you can get to. Like these will show up and try to steal a treasure. Um, so I feel like you have to think a, a lot more tactically than you would in a game like Fire Emblem. Final Fantasy Tactics, which is more of a, it's more of an RPG experience with tactics because you're building up your party. You're thinking about your classes and that kind of thing. And with Fire Emblem, like the characters are already pretty well established. Um, you're just equipping better weapons with them. And the, the most customization that you get is how are you going to evolve them? Like which class are you going to evolve them into? And who are you going to have them relating to, getting into a relation to, to get certain buffs? So, I think by streamlining it, it's a lot easier to jump into, even though it has a reputation for being frustrating and hard. But if you find Fire Emblems frustrating and hard, just play Birthright. Bob, play Birthright. It's okay. I think I can do it. And number three is not... Uh, I, I'm, I'm calling an audible here. I'm picking a different one that is actually on my list. For number three, it's another RPG that is coming out, I believe, in the middle of this month. It might be coming out in January, and that is the final version of Darkest Dungeon, which has been in early access since last year. It's an 
it's an indie roguelike uh, plus turn-based dungeon crawler, I guess, I guess is the best way to describe it, that is based heavily around sanity effects and that sort of thing. Really intriguing party-based RPG that I really enjoyed. And darn hard to... Um, we were talking about, you're talking about games that are really freaking hard with permadeath. Darkest Dungeon is a really hard game because if you screw up and you let your party stay in a dungeon too long, you can have a total party kill pretty easily and then they are all gone or were, or even almost as bad having them just be completely insane. Hmm. So I, played it a lot last year i actually built up a really good party but i ended up putting it down because i wanted to move on to other rpgs and also because they were saving the ending for when the final release is coming out so now that the final release is out like they've added a lot more characters they've added a lot more weapons they've added a final dungeon and i cannot be more excited to play it bob did you ever get a chance to check out darkest dungeon I, I didn't play it after uh, I had initially played it at PAX, uh, PAX Prime 2014, but that's because I'm waiting for it to be finished. Mm-hmm. I, I liked what I played so much that I didn't want to play an incomplete version of it, even though I would still have fun with it. So I'm pretty sure I bought it on Steam over the break. I have to look at my Steam account, but uh, I, I'm definitely playing it when it gets a full release. Yeah, we both saw it at PAX Prime together, and we were both like really legitimately impressed by it. Yeah, I think that was our indie game of the show uh, that year. Yeah, I mean, just everything about that game pops out. It has a really great and distinctive art style um, that really kind of drives home the the darkness of the game, Um, especially when you're exploring a dungeon. Like, the monsters are really horrifying, and... You can understand why, like, people would be going crazy looking at these things. Like, you'll run into monsters that are so gross that it will actually make your characters a little less sane, which is always kind of fun. And the interesting thing about that game is that you can play around with sanity a bit because sometimes going crazy will actually produce positive effects where, like, if they have a really strong temperament, I guess they could become super powerful and start like buffing your party in various ways. But if they go crazy, they might do things where they'll panic and run to the back of your party or hurt themselves or attack another member of your party or just refuse to act and that sort of thing. And it, and frankly, I'm just a sucker for party, uh, for games where you're building up a party. Um, a lot of the game is, You recruit in like rather generic characters, like they aren't like they aren't characters with personalities or anything. They're just classes. They're soldiers for your party, and you slowly but surely build them up and uh, pick different traits for them. I I believe, and um, and as they progress, they become more powerful, and you just have to build like come up with a particularly good strategy for your party. So. The last time I played it, I was playing with um, a couple of highwaymen, and the highwaymen would use the grape shot to hurt a large number of enemies in the enemy party, um, and I would have another one lunge forward to get to the front of the party because your character's position in the party matters a whole lot. There's a lot of tactical thinking going on in this game. So, oh God, it was such a good game. Mike, did you ever get a chance to check it out? 
Oh yeah, no, I I play it. Uh, I tend to do what I I call uh, death runs, mm. uh, much like I used to do with XCOM Two, where I would name uh, party members after uh, friends and whatnot, and especially <laughs> got a much easier in Darkest Dungeon once they added uh, character customization. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually I have had a U.S. gamer run. Um, and Jeremy ended up being, I think, the longest survivor. Oh, mm-hmm. man. What happened to me? Uh, you went crazy. Of course I did. You were, my, like... um, you were my healer. Uh-huh. Uh, and you lost your sanity and uh, ended up dying. I mean, whatever. Bob stabbed someone in the back. <laughs> Well, that's just, that. that's just how I operate. <laughs> yes, exactly. I really should, like, write these down. It's just I, that that's what I, I don't have an imagination, folks. So uh, whenever I run into a game like XCOM where I can create characters, uh, I just use my friends and colleagues. <laughs> but what you were doing with the, the friends and colleagues in a death run reminds me of when I used to play Oregon Trail and I would put the people that I would hate on in my party and then just put them on a grueling pace and watch them die of cholera. So you had like uh, virtual effigies in your game. Exactly. You're dead now, Sally. Exactly. (laughs) And then they would be dead and there would be a gravestone. I'd be like, here lies Sally. She was mean and I hated her. (laughs) And then what was best about Oregon Trail is that if you started playing it, you would come across gravestones from previous games. And so people would always see a monument to the people that I hated who died of cholera. All right, number two on my list of the five RPGs that I am looking forward to most in 2016, Final Fantasy XV, which is looking more and more like it is actually going to be coming out in the new year. Um, Tabata, uh, is it Hajime Tabata, who is the director of Final Fantasy XV, posted an update, said that he is going to be giving the release date of Final Fantasy 15 in March. It sure looks like this is happening, which is not surprising to me because I really think that they want to push the Final Fantasy 7 remake out in 2017. So you don't really want these two games stepping on each other's toes. So Final Fantasy 15 is finally coming out. And the reason I put it at number two on this list is because, frankly, I just want to play the dang thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm really intrigued by oh. it. I mean, it's a mainline Final Fantasy. It's our first numbered truly numbered Final Fantasy since 13 came out in, what, 2010? It's been six years now. Yeah, it was 2010. So it's time. I'm ready. Give me more Final Fantasy, darn it. That's not a spinoff or a side story or whatever. Did you play uh, Episode Duske at all? I did not play the demo. I've, uh, like... We were talking about this before we got onto the podcast. I like to go into things fresh. I I finally (laughs) played the demo over break. I also heard the demo is going to be a lot different from the actual finished game. From what I understand, you can play the demo for a long time, but I, I finally got around to playing it, and I have to say, like, um, as I was playing it, I was just like, "What? what is this? Like, what am I playing? <laughs> I f- it feels like what happens when people working at a company don't really talk to each other, because they made a fine open-world game with Final Fantasy XIV, and they've made fine open-world games before that. This game feels like people just having their own ideas about what an open world game is without really talking to anybody and just going with that. So I I didn't have a lot of fun playing it. I have to say the battle system kind of let me down. It's all based around like um uh sort of like a bayonetta style like uh you know 
defense thing where you're you're pairing hits as they come in but there's no way of telling when an enemy is going to strike so it just feels really awkward to me i don't know and you really only use one button it just um yeah sorry my my thoughts are kind of scattered on this but it feels like everything you do in that game takes one unnecessary extra step and i just walked away from it going this feels like a disaster i mean it looks nice and um I kind of like the concept. You're just in this free open world camping trip kind of setup, but <laughs> uh, I, I'm not super confident about the game. I'm sorry. So, so I had uh, three thoughts when I played. I, I was the one that ended up going. I want to say it was PAX Prime somewhere, and I ended up playing the demo for two hours. So I, I think I was the first of us to actually fully get in and play it. And and my first thought was. Um, that it's a perfectly fine game, but I think it probably would have been received better had it not been... I I think it will probably be received better had it not been a mainstream, main-numbered Final Fantasy. Like, back when it was Versus 13, I think that would have been... Like, people would have latched on and played it and been like oh that was fun but as it stands now I'm not sure what the reception's going to be like and then looking at all of the news that has since happened since they've released this demo I kind of get the feeling that Square Enix doesn't really know what they want to do with it that's exactly what I thought Mike I I just feel like they have to make something so they made something but there's no clear like underlying mission statement to this game but just like uh we've we figured out what an open world game is and here it is and there you go have fun yeah and they're listening to they're they're stressed to fans it's like oh yeah no the uh they released episode duskade then they released the second version of that demo and then they're supposed to have another demo that is going in each of these versions incorporates feedback from the previous demo so i kind of feel like they have no like strong vision as to where they're going they're just episode Duske was their early access version, and now they're trying to work their way towards a finished game that people will like. So, I I have to hope that the finished version of Final Fantasy fifteen is going to be a more focused experience. Um, I almost feel like the the demo was a proof of concept that they were kind of building on to try and figure out what they actually wanted to do with the open world. And that when the actual game comes out, they'll have a much more focused experience. At least that is, that's me being overly optimistic. We will see. I think Tabata is a, a competent designer. And frankly, like, I mean, it's almost a no-one scenario with this game, right? I mean, there's so much baggage attached to it. It's been in development for so long. It's gone through so many iterations. And... I don't know what you can do to necessarily save it or even turn it into a great game, but I mean, they're doing their best. So I'm honestly just kind of curious to see what they come up with. And I'm frankly, I'm going to be glad that it's finally going to be off Square Enix's plate and maybe we can all move on with our lives and say, well, (laughs) Final Fantasy 15 was a disaster but, uh, well, we can now look ahead to Final Fantasy 16, and maybe it'll actually be good. Yeah, my current take is probably that I think it'll be a, like a noble failure. Like, they had some ideas, some interesting ideas, and some interesting concepts, and I'm not sure if it will come together. 
But, I mean, they seem earnest about it. Like, they want to make a great game. I'm just not sure that they quite know how, and there's no, like, straight-up vision about it. Uh, So, yeah. Well, the problem is it... I mean, when you take a spin-off that was going to be like an action RPG thing by the Kingdom Hearts people and turn it into a mainline <laughs> game, it's never going to have oh, right. a a full, like, actual coherent vision, right? And the fact that it's changed so much and it's become this open world thing. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, there's nothing coherent about this game except that it's apparently going to be a bro trip. And it's going to be all dudes and... I we'll see how that ends up working out, but you, you mentioned Kingdom Hearts three list that that's uh, conspicuously absent from your list. Well, we haven't made it to number one, have we, Bob? Uh oh, it, it could still happen. I, I will say that uh, I, I do. You have any predictions about that particular game? And any I, give me a year. I just want a year. I, I'm thinking 2018. I think next year. Next year, okay. Yeah, I, I'll be surprised if it comes out this year, especially with. I don't know who who even knows what's going on with Kingdom Hearts three. I think I think the best way to gauge whether it actually is going to make it out this year is if it's shown at all at E three. I agree, and it's funny because they used they used to be able to tread water with these side games, and they can't make those anymore. And they used to be able to tread water with the remakes, but they've remade everything, so they can't tread water anymore. They need to put something out, and I want and to know what that fi- is. It's going to be Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and maybe Kingdom Hearts 3? I mean, they did show... What, they showed a trailer last year. I, I think Kingdom Hearts 3 will probably turn out better than 15 was under uh, Nomura's leadership because I think Kingdom Hearts 3 gives him a bit more focus than yeah. saying, you're now Final Fantasy 15, go crazy. It has an established structure and systems and its own like currency and world. So, and, and he's done it a million times by now. So, I feel like it's a much safer game for him to potentially not ruin. So, what I really want from him is just the world ends with you too, so I can be disappointed in that instead. Are we talking about what we really want from Nomura? <laughs> <laughs> I want a letter of resignation. <laughs> oh God! Ooh. Take that, buddy. Jeez. All right. Well, moving on to number one. Um, I, I was, I lied to you, Bob. It's not Kingdom Hearts 3 at number one. Oh, I'm heartbroken. I, I think that if you've listened to me talk for it's the It's Hyperdimension Neptunia, right? One of those. I think if you heard me talk for the past five years, you'll know what my next, my most anticipated RPG, the most intriguing RPG of 2016 is, and that game is Persona 5, which... Should have come out last year. We've been waiting for this friggin' game for eight years. <laughs> Nearly a decade in the making, and you better enjoy that Persona 5, because I have a feeling Persona 6 will will be all be in our 50s playing high school students. I don't know about students. that. Persona 4 came out just a couple years after Persona 3. That is true. Maybe they, now that they have the technology, they can just like plug new things into it. <laughs> That's my hope, man, because I'm missing. I can't, like, jeez, it's been so long, too long. I'd yeah, like I mean, this out. game has been in development for almost as long as Final Fantasy fifteen. Think about that. Yeah. Yikes. I'd like to point out that when we have a list that we sign up for reviews, I didn't even get a chance to, like, get on Persona 5 because Bob and Cat 
jumped on it like <laughs> hyenas. They were quick. Revenge for all the games that you stole from me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I but, can't predict the future, though. I could be, like, dead or in jail or something by the time Persona 5 comes out. I think you it's have, coming out this long year. It, you it's think coming it's this out year? this year. Yeah. Even, it, uh, do you think it'll be... I mean, I know it'll be out in Japan this year, I have a feeling, but do you think the um, the English language version will make it out? Yes. I think hmm. it'll be a simultaneous worldwide release. Yeah, I think they've been doing... I mean, you can look at the trailers and tell that they've probably been doing some work to make sure that uh, at least the menus and stuff are already ready to go. If it's not simultaneous, I think it'll be within a couple months. Like six say, months? Say like August 2016 for Japan and like October here. That would be great, yeah. Yeah, in which case it will instantly be my best RPG of the year, probably. I mean, I mean, maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I have the utmost faith in Atlas. They've been working on this game for a very long time. Everything that I've seen of it, from the screenshots to the concept to the trailers, tells me that they are really like committed to doing cool and interesting things with this game. It's not just a retread. Uh, I, I love the notion that the characters are all students by day and kind of like master criminals by night. I think that's great. I love how big it's going with by putting the game in Tokyo or like a variant of Tokyo. I, I love the graphics. I, I love the style. And like Persona 4 was for my, was for me at least probably my favorite RPG of the past 15 years. And, and I'm not exaggerating. Like I really, really loved that game. So I just cannot be more excited to be playing finally Persona 5. Like I I'm really excited for this game. My my one hope is I feel like Atlas now has the opportunity to go places that they were a little too afraid to go in Persona 3 and 4, places that they just bumped up against the border of and then they immediately backed away. So I'm hoping that like oh, we can t- we can say a character is actually gay. We can we can say this about a character. We we can talk about this subject matter without even, you know, blushing, without being afraid because it was weird that Catherine was a game about an accidental pregnancy, but at no point did any character bring up like birth control or condoms or the pill or anything like that. It just felt like there are some areas they're still afraid to go, and I feel like this could be their chance to be edgy, to be like uh realistic and not to pull punches. I feel like they're kind of bound by social mores in Japan, which while they've they've done they do really exciting things that go beyond the boundaries here, like it's also conservative in its own way and certainly Japan has been way behind the US and I I don't mean to like cast too many aspersions, but they've been behind the US in GLBT rights by quite a long way. Oh for sure. It's just not something that you really talk about. So the fact that the Persona games addressed it even kind of obliquely like was actually really interesting and probably pretty progressive. And yeah, we can get into a huge argument over what was going on with Kaji and Persona 4 and that kind of thing. Like that is territory we've been there. But as a lesbian, I've always uh, been gratified to see that Persona is at least kind of making an effort to acknowledge that this stuff is going on. But yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you, Bob. I I would like to see them be more edgy, and I think that in 2016 uh, they definitely have an opportunity to be. So yeah, I should I should re- restate that. I don't think it's edgy to say a character is gay. I I just feel like it's you're confronting reality. You're not my winking. very presence is edgy, Bob. Yeah, it's just like oh my god, you're living out there on the edge. <laughs> 
But yeah, and I I I, I kind of want Persona Five to be a, a grand success now, especially after um. I actually forget what its official Japanese title, Fire Emblem Shin Megami Tensei, which felt almost like a weird Persona-ish game. Um, SMT Cross Fire Emblem, you mean? Yeah, it, uh, it yeah, it, it's it's like Gene Ibun something. Um, yeah, it's out in Japan and it bombed with like twenty three thousand copies sold for its first week. Wow! Mm, wow! Uh, so. Uh, either it's gonna do much better in the U.S., or I, I and I, I almost feel like I feel bad for Atlas because I I feel like they the game at least from what I've seen of it has some interesting ideas. So so uh, if that doesn't do well, I need Persona Five to do well. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if the Wii U is a great system for RPGs. I mean, the hardware is there, and I like the gamepad, but. I heard that even Xenoblade, um, the recent one, was not a success in terms yeah. of sales. The Wii U didn't exactly sell well. Yeah, and and I looking at at uh, streams of it because uh, 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 Elliot's been playing it. Um, it it really looks like a game that I probably, if I had been Atlas, would have put on. Um, PS4, but you know, or the Nintendo. Yeah, but Nintendo, you know was part of making that game happen so it's just one of those things where it is what it is <laughs> so yeah. i am looking forward to playing it next year it's going to be interesting and when i say next year i mean this year <laughs> so i mean if you have to figure that it's probably going to be coming out in the fall alongside say zelda so that'll be a, a nice one-two punch for the wii u i would say in terms of games that i want to play Speaking but, of Wii U, uh, did did you guys ever play or try out Xenoblade X? I mean, I've played Xenoblade Chronicles X in various formats. Um, not really a game that speaks to me, but I know mm. you're playing it, right, Bob? Yeah, I just bought it yesterday, and like like with a lot of Wii U games, it feels like you're giving to charity. <laughs> not to say that it's a bad <laughs> game or Nintendo needs help, but it's like, I'm doing a good deed. I'm buying a full-price retail game for my Wii U. I'm helping out the little guy. Yeah, I bought a copy of... Uh, of Xenoblade the other day, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I can I can easily see just when they when they set you free into the world, how you could kill like 30 hours right there without doing anything important. So uh, I, I expect that to be a game I dip in and out of for the next couple of years <laughs> until I reach the end. I own a copy, but I have not played it because I have so many things in front of it uh, in my priority list. So uh, it's probably going to be one of those things. Like I have a copy of the last story. Um, for Wii that I bought and has yet to I've yet to open it I know I'll get there one day but right now yeah that's that's just the way it is and I, that is I, a that is a great RPG by the way not to get too off track it, it's like a good 25 hour RPG I, I loved it yeah see I figured I figured it would because I, 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 I bought I remember that year I bought uh, Last Story ends in Oblade Chronicles because uh, usually if I feel something's going to be a little bit rare, I'll pick it up. Uh, like, uh, I try to pick up Devil's Third, even though I hear that's really bad. <laughs> because it's rare, and, and I, I tend to like to have things around if I ever decide to play them. So, um, But yeah, so Last Story is one of those games that I just, I have. It's here, it's in a box, and I just never open it. And I, I honestly... 
think that Xenoblade Chronicles X might end up in that same range. So they're only going up in value, Mike. I know. I, well, and don't see, break that seal. See, it's not even about the value. It's like I want to play. It's just I haven't had a chance to open <laughs> it. Well, this will be a fun final year for the Wii U. So enjoy it while it lasts. It's been an interesting run for Nintendo's console. I'm sure that we're going to be talking about it a lot more at the end of the year. But. that I have listed my five most anticipated, most intriguing RPGs of 2016. I'm curious to hear what is your most intriguing RPG, the game that you are, the RPG that you are most looking forward to playing in 2016, Mike? You're pulling me in two different directions. (laughs) Uh, I'll go... No, you're pulling me in three different directions. Damn it. Uh, I'll go with Fire Emblem Fates. Ooh. Why? I'm a tactics dude. So, mm. so, uh, and since Square Enix will never revisit tactics in any way, shape, or form, uh, intelligence fools. system is my, is my best hope. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird that the Square seems bound and determined not to make a new Final Fantasy tactics given how much love it gets on both sides of the ocean. They did make a really weird social mobile version of the game, like Final Fantasy Tactics F or something oh, like really? that. Yeah, it, it came out in Japan a few years ago. We were, we all got the press over the trailer and then immediately forgot about it. Fair enough. I mean, A2 wasn't very good, unfortunately. But maybe if you made a proper War of the Lions style game, not uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced style, it would be a little bit better. I bet they could kickstart it. Somebody could kickstart it. Oh hell yeah, they could kickstart it. <laughs> you, t- I, I'm guaranteed that if they kickstart Final Fantasy Tactics, that it would be fully funded in a day, despite the fact that it's a publisher that has a lot of money anyway. Yeah. Because heck, I would put money into it. I don't care. I will assume some of the risks. Just make the frigging game. That's what that's what a uh, fig is for now. I mean, uh, Tim Schafer is funding Psychonauts two via fig. I feel mm. like it's not shameful anymore. It's not shameful, Bob. What is your fa- your most intriguing RPG of 2016? I'm going to say my boring, uh, obvious Bob Mackie choice is going to be Dark Souls 3. For uh, if, you need, if you need reasons, look at everything I've written over the past five years. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I think I've overstated just how important Dark Souls is to me. And um, I, I love Bloodborne. I love all the Dark Souls games. I love Demon Souls. And I want to see how this will wrap up uh, that series because I believe this is going to be the last true Dark Souls game with a fantasy setting. And, I, and I'm and sure they're going to pull out all the stops because they have the hardware to do it now. And we've seen with Bloodborne just how just how awesome From can be in terms of visuals on this next-gen or current-gen hardware. But um, I will say my, my non-boring choice, I think, is going to be uh, Mario & Luigi Paper Jam. Oh. I've been desperately wanting to like another Mario and Luigi since uh, I, since Bowser's Inside Story, and I have high hopes for this. I hope it's not too talky. I hope it's not too handholdy. I just want to play those fun like rhythm battles and like you know have fun with the silly characters and stuff like that. So that's my non-safe choice is uh, Paper Jam. Paper Jam. So you actually played it? Um, I did at right before the holidays. Right. It looked pretty good, right? It was fun. Like the battles were kind of dragging on a little bit too long. I think I was under level for the section they dropped me into, 
And that was the reason I put down partners in time. It's because the standard battles would take like five to eight minutes and you just didn't want to go through the same actions over and over again. So if that isn't a problem, I can see this game being a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I could see it being fun. I, I just like the notion of having Paper Mario meet the the regular Mario and Luigi and seeing them interact. It has there's a lot of good visual gags going on between there. So Yeah, and it makes things slightly more complicated, but not too complicated. So now you have three characters in battle, three characters on the world map, and um, I think that's the perfect number because, again, with Partners in Time, you had four, and that was a little too much to juggle at once. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I, think, I think I'm reviewing it. Mm, I think you are, too. Yeah. So games that are also coming out this year that I also find interesting but did not make my top five list. And I apologize. Um, Bobby already mentioned Dark Souls 3. Near 2 is probably coming out this year. Um, you, you think so? so? One, uh, it was being made by Platinum. They have a lot um, going on right now. It's a contract project. Could be put out. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say that it's not going to be as good as the original Nier. Might be more mass market, which means that it'll lose the thing that made the original so interesting was that it wasn't mass market in the least. No. But we'll see, right? Um, and at least it'll have a better battle system. That's for sure, yeah. I'm looking forward to that part of it. Mass Effect Andromeda, which we know nothing about. Yeah. Except that it's in space. <laughs> Presumably in Andromeda. And I think the um, the car is back. The, the one that you drive on the planets. And, th- and this game is coming out in 2016. Oh, yeah. Bioware is totally putting it out this year. Oh, wow. I've, I've heard nothing about it. I never finished the series, so I kind of fell off with uh, Mass Effect. They teased it pretty. They teased it last year at E3, and they so. teased it like at the end of like on in seven days. So they've they've mentioned it, but yeah, no, they haven't shown anything, and it's supposed to be out this year, right? Well, they said release. Didn't they say that it, at the end of the trailer, twenty sixteen? Yeah, and and that's why. Yeah, no, it's pretty odd. I think they're probably holding back uh, for E3, but if they. I don't know. Like, Dragon Age Inquisition took a long time to finish. So if there was one game that I would expect to be pushed back to, say, March, I would say Mass Effect Andromeda. Here's a question, though. Uh, Is that also last gen? Like, what do you mean? No, it's it's, um, uh, Windows, PS4, Xbox One, the the current triumvirate. And, uh, uh, because I'm still surprised at what is coming out for last gen. Like I, I had no idea until recently that Rise of the Tomb Raider is also on uh, 360 and PS3. And Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh, that's right. Oh, that has to be... I, I don't understand how you can My play that. My friend bought it on PS3 and said that it was fine. That mm. it was a lot like Metal Gear Solid Four. I guess I played Ground Zeroes on PS3 and it wasn't... Um, it was playable, so... Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, plenty of games are coming out on the last gen consoles. And I would not be surprised if Mass Effect Andromeda... Well, no, no, I don't think it's been announced for that for those platforms. But in any case, yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't think it's going to be because um, uh, it's it's another one of VA's um, Frostbite three games. So they're probably using the same uh, engine that they had for same framework that they had for um, Inquisition. Yeah, if they don't put out Mass Effect, I mean, all they'll have is Battlefield Five and their sports games. So I think they're going to try to get Mass Effect Andromeda out this year. Mm. Uh, I figure they'll probably get that uh, visceral or motive Star Wars game. Oh, you think that they're going to announce something? 
show something finally? Yeah, I mean, they've been working on, at least Visceral's been working on it, uh, mm. probably around the same time that DICE started Battlefront. Uh, and they just brought in uh, Jade Raymond's Motive Studios to help with that, so I guess Visceral and Motive share the game. Mm. So that might be into this year, like Mass Effect as well. Maybe. We shall see. Um, other RPGs that are kind of intriguing... Deus Ex Mankind Divided? Anybody? All right. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, I I did enjoy... uh, I didn't finish, but I did enjoy uh, Human Revolution. I thought it was a really fun fun stealth uh, action RPG. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll give it a try. Human Revolution was highly regarded, but Mankind Divided seems to be getting no buzz whatsoever. What's up with that? I think it's... The big deal about Deus Ex was it, it had been so long since there was a Deus Ex game. The last one wasn't received very well, so there was a lot of attention there. The problem is, like, we got a Deus Ex five years ago, and it was great, so it doesn't have the same appeal, I think. I guess. I mean, a lot of people were like, this is better than Metal Gear. It's a stealth action game with, like, RPG elements and, and things. Like, the like, whoa, wake up, Hideo Kojima. <laughs> um, and yet... For whatever reason, Deus Ex Mankind Divided has been met with what seems like a collective shrug. Um, so maybe maybe I'm wrong in in, in that opinion. I I know that I'm kind of shrugging toward it, and I'm not sure why. It, it looks cool. Looks like Deus Ex. Um, maybe you're right, Bob. Uh, Mike, do you have any thoughts on Deus Ex Mankind Divided? I mean, I think Human Revolution uh, came out well because we didn't expect it to come out well. Mm. Um so now probably they need to uh, hopefully add a little bit more of the Deus Ex complexity uh, and options into it. And they've been yeah. saying the right things, but, you know, most developers tend to say the right things. So, yeah, Deus Ex, uh, the original Deus Ex was maybe a little more narratively uh, complicated than Human Revolution. So that is definitely... A thing. Well, they said that they were going to have better bass, boss battles, so that's nice. That's right. Those were like outsourced or something, if I remember <laughs> yeah. correctly. They basically apologized for the boss battles after the game came out. Uh, Cosmic Star Heroine, which is being made by friend of the podcast Robert Boyd. Uh, indie RPG, very much in the style of Chrono Trigger. I really love the battle system. It's a really complex battle system. I wish that I could tell you about it, but God, like... The details are escaping me right now. Um, I wrote about it during my E3 coverage last year when I had a chance to like really dig into it. I really enjoyed it. I love the art. Uh, I love that the cutscenes are in the kind of mold of like the Sega CD and that kind of classic fantasy star look as well. It, it, it's going to be good. And it's another game that's kind of flown under the radar in part because it uh, ended up being quietly delayed. But it is coming out this year. And it'll be coming out on the Vita and the PS4, and I'm really looking forward to playing it. Uh, I I also really like that it's going to be on something other than Steam and like Xbox Live Indies, which means that it's much more likely to get noticed. So, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, maybe it's an RPG. Is this an RPG? People are saying it's an RPG. I don't I don't know enough about it. I don't. I, does anyone know enough about it to call it an RPG? I know it has robot dinosaurs. Mm. Is that is that what makes an RPG now? <laughs> I know that it had numbers. I see. Apparently, when they were shooting the the dinosaurs, you saw damage counters. 
I don't know. So, I mean, it looks more interesting than Far Cry Primal, which has a similar like um, like Bronze Age, Stone Age focus. You, you've been ragging on Far Cry Primal so hard. No, I mean privately. I wrote one article about it where I was like, uh, they need to show me more before I believe this is really different. But um, yeah, I, it looks interesting. I'll give it that. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I they, they've I think they said that it was cosmic. Sorry, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn was going to be. I think they use Skyrim as a point of comparison and Assassin's Creed as a point of comparison. So take that as what you will. All right. So, and of course, Bravely Second, which I think people will be mad that I didn't spend more time talking about it. Um, it's more Bravely Default with uh, some gameplay enhancements and uh, a, a more story. I, I know that there are plenty of people who really friggin' loved Bravely Default. Did you guys really friggin' love Bravely, Bravely Default? I uh, I played the demo. Remember the free demo that came out with that game before it yes, came out? I, I played did. like 12 or 13 hours of that. Then I bought the game and I always intended to play it, but I didn't have time. So I essentially just leveled up my town to the max level. And um, so now when I want to jump into the game for real, I have at, like every high level shop open, every weapon and armor available to me at a price. But still, like when I play the game, it's going to be weird. Uh, I played it. Uh, I enjoyed it, but uh, the early scuttle that I've heard from uh, Japan re- import reviews is uh, the feels like a retread in some aspects, uh, and the music and dialogue are not as good. Well, that's too bad because the dialogue in the original wasn't that great either. <laughs> the music, that soundtrack, everyone, look it up right now. It's it's one of the best. Bravely Default's uh, soundtrack. I love it. It was a good soundtrack. I'll, I'll say that. Um, the story played out a bit like a Saturday morning cartoon, which, I mean, fine, whatever. Um, I just wasn't really pulled into it. I don't think we're allowed to use that uh, that reference anymore, Cat. No one will understand it. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, they don't have Saturday morning cartoons anymore. Nope. So you have to say it's like a Netflix uh, binge but watch. Ag- but then again, people don't understand terms like pick up the phone. That's true. And that kind of thing. So, or hang up the phone. Sorry, um, some things just stay in our lexicon, even though Saturday morning cartoons aren't really a thing anymore, and that makes me sad. All right, so let's go over to what the users and the listeners were listening or listing off as their most exciting RPGs. I bet you guys can't guess what everybody picked. Uh, <laughs> Dark Souls. Uh, Dark Souls 3 got called out once. Uh, So, let's see. Persona 5. Mark Youngquist. Same answer as last year. Persona 5. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, We have a few others in here. We got uh, Dragon Quest 8 is one that got called out a few times. Uh, Ho-Ho 23. Persona 5, because I need more Persona in HD. Red Hedgehog. At Red underscore Hedgehog. Dragon Quest 7. Uh, at Snake of Silent, Persona 5, because after playing so many games that steal its school premise, I want to see where the original goes. Uh, Electrodal, Shivan Bot, friend of the podcast, Dragon Quest 8. So I'm, I'm seeing a, well, not surprisingly, because I posted this on my own Twitter, lots and lots of JRPG fans. Vodka and Tonic, Final Fantasy 15, regardless of how good or bad the game is, it's going to be an experience. Um, still lost more Persona 5, Persona 5, Persona 5. 
uh, at LH underscore game feed, bravely second, and also Legend of Legacy because I'm European. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I think Dragon Quest Seven on 3DS is going to be the first European release for that game. Wow. Yeah, I don't think it ever came out uh, over there. So this is kind of their first time to play it, which is kind of exciting. Um, at Serene Crimson says, Fire Emblem Fates, because with the DLC chapters, pretty much three full Fire Emblems released in one day. Runner-ups are Dragon Quest Seven and Eight, So um, they are with you, Mike. Fire Emblem all the way. That's because the people understand where the action is, and the action is in tactics and dating. Tactics and dating developers. They're really the same thing. At Druidic Lore, complicated. I've been so eager for Dragon Quest VII, but I hated it on PS1, so I guess Bravely Default 2 is a better answer. Uh, At Mr. Jettinger, Final Fantasy XV, really looking forward to an open character-driven single-player Final Fantasy again. And at Kyle Ruiz 54, Final, Persona 5, but I want to know more about Final Fantasy 15. And Dragon Quest 3DS remakes are also exciting as someone who's never played them. So lots of Final Fantasy 15, lots of Persona 5. Oh, and at Press the Buttons agrees with you, Bob. Mario and Luigi Paper Jam is what they're pretty excited about, too. Oh, cool. So that is kind of what everybody's looking forward to. One observation about this year's slate of RPGs, I'm sure that's going to change in the later year, seems like a really strong year for JRPGs. Yes or no? 2016 in general? Yeah. I think it's going to be a great year for RPGs. Uh, I mean, I, I wrote a uh, I wrote a 2016 piece a few weeks ago about how like the D, the 3DS is now the RPG beast, just looking at like the huge RPGs coming out for it. But if you if you go beyond the 3DS and look at everything else. It is a really good year for RPGs. And particularly Japanese-developed RPGs. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Um, just the fact that Bravely D- Second, the Dragon Quest remakes, uh, Star Ocean potentially, Final Fantasy XV, Persona Five. I mean, Cosmic Star Heroine, which I would consider a Japanese RPG, even though it wasn't developed in Japan. And, of course, Fire Emblem Fates. Uh, all very exciting games. I, I mean... Just having Persona 5 and Final Fantasy 15 in one year makes it probably one of the best JRPG years in like the past five years. And we all thought they were dead. Oh, yeah. They're so dead, Bob. <laughs> They've been dead for like ever since 1997 or something to that effect. They're so dead they can't stop coming out in America. Mike, good year for RPGs? This is a great year for RPGs. Mm. Uh this is, of course, a problem because RPGs take like 40 hours to play and now there are tons of open world games and I don't have the time and, oh God, I play like four MMOs. <sighs> That's why you just need to like break down and just hide in a corner and play Hearthstone all the time. <laughs> just, I don't know, like at some point you just get overloaded and you have to like move away, recharge and come back and get ready for Persona 5, which is the last game that I will ever need to play. All right, so that is the end of our episode. You can find Mike over on Twitter at at AutomaticZen. 
You can follow Bob at Bob Servo. Um, guys, Bob, do you have anything to plug? Uh, sure. Uh, of course, always listen to Retronauts. That's the classic gaming podcast. You can find that on US Gamer or wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, this is not game-related, but um, I also do the podcast Talking Simpsons. It's a chronological uh, Simpsons experience. Go to lasertimepodcast.com to find that or just search for Talking Simpsons in your podcast program. Any articles to plug? Uh, yeah, this is going up this week. I wrote a uh, a piece I struggled with all day, but people seem to like it. it. It's a piece about Final Fantasy IX and why I think it's important and why it's good that it's getting a second chance on uh, PC and mobile stuff. So uh, check that out. It's called Why Final Fantasy IX Matters. They took out the random encounters, or they allowed you to turn them off. Oh, that's red. That's interesting. Another indictment of random t- random battles in general. Tell but. it to Pokemon. Oh, the thing I'm most excited about for Final Fantasy IX on the PC is that it's those loading times are going to go way down. I hope so. Yeah, that would be sure nice. It would make it actually playable, you know, and then I could enjoy the battle system in addition to the excellent writing. Mike, do you got anything to plug? I don't do anything other than US Gamer. Oh, Mike. <laughs> no. Mike, what um, about content? <laughs> yes, content. You Tell have to us prove about the content. You're alive to the universe. <laughs> That's how no, it works. Um, actually, that is one of the things I'm going to be doing um, this year. Uh, I'm going to be... Uh, I have already started behind the scenes a small site called Semi-Competent, uh, which is where I will put all of the things that I want to do that I am not good at. So uh, it is a place that will allow me to fail on the internet. Mm. Excellent. Soon, soon. <laughs> And, of course, you can find me at the underscore catbot. You can listen to me talk about sports games on Press Row Podcast. Um, I occasionally contribute to the sports website, Hit the Pass. And if you go on the site, I haven't... So, yeah, I wrote about my thoughts on Trails of Cold Steel yesterday. That's an RPG-related thing. And today I addressed how I'm feeling about the Hearthstone meta uh, spoiler alert, I think it's in a pretty good place. Hmm. And if you haven't been playing Hearthstone, it's a good game, and I can't freaking put it down, and it's cutting into my productivity, which is a problem. But... I have I have one more plug I just thought of, Kat. I'm sorry oh. to derail you. Oh my god, uh, what are you doing, Bob? Uh, please Jeez. also, more more content. You guys love content, right? Well, go to somethingawful, somethingawful.com and read my comedy writing because I'm celebrating 10 years with the site this week. Can you believe a website wow. could possibly last 10 years? I mean, geez. I can't believe Something Awful has survived 10 years. That's amazing. Yep, long-form comedy writing. It's not the most profitable thing, but there is a home for it. So, again, I'm sorry for interrupting you. I just thought of that. <laughs> I know that I I know that I read your articles and enjoy them. They're oh, thank you. Good. They are pretty disgusting and raunchy. <laughs> um, and, of course, just keep on checking out US Gamer because it pays our bills. And we're all back from our holidays, and we are ready to get going in this very exciting year of 2016 for RPGs. But next week... I will be having, I will will try and have Elliot Gay on the show so that we can talk about what is going on over in Japan and what has been coming out in Japan. It's the season, lots of good RPGs coming out over there. And then we're also going to address a lot of things like the role of story in RPGs. We have a lot of things to talk about. Fire Emblem is just around the corner. Darkest Dungeon is just around the corner. So much stuff. And of course, Axe of the Blood God is back. Thanks for listening to us, and I really look forward to being with you in the new year. 
But for now, for Bob and Mike and myself, thanks for listening. Have a good 2016. Play a lot of RPGs. And happy adventuring. Yeah.